0: Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to the very first episode of the Oceaneo Sechele Show. The show where we experience experience, think about our thoughts, and compare our maps of existence. I am your host, Oceaneo Sechele. The topic of today's episode is Simulation Theory. The purpose of this show is not to give a brief explanation of these topics, but to dig a little deeper, show my thoughts about the subjects and how I use these thoughts and ideas in my everyday life. However, for some of you, I will still need to give a brief explanation of what simulation theory entails. This episode I dedicate to the one trapped by Unmanifest New Beginnings. Let's begin. According to simulation theory, humanity will reach a point where our technology, such as virtual reality, will become so realistic that we cannot tell the difference between reality and the simulation. And if we ever reach that point, which we, in our current state of technological development, likely will eventually reach, then the chance that we live in a simulated world is really high. Elon Musk famously estimated the probability that we live in a simulation at about 50-50. That either such technology is impossible or humanity slash society will not live long enough to develop such technology. Or that we already live in the simulation. If we view a simulation as a world, for that is how we would experience a simulation, and these simulations are created in the real world, which we for the purpose of uh, this episode will call base reality, how many of these worlds would we create? Just think about the amount of video games on the market at this moment. If there were just as many simulated worlds and one base reality, The chance of us being in the base reality at any particular moment would be pretty low. Then considering that at least some of these simulations would be somewhat similar to our world, which we often assume that it does, then some of these simulations would create simulations of their own, which in turn creates simulations of their own and so on. What you end up with in that case is pretty much an infinity of fractal simulated worlds and one singular base reality. Therefore, the chance that we would live in base reality after we made such a simulation would be so small that us living in the simulation would be a mathematical certainty. Now, if we look at the popularity of the Matrix movies, we could make an assumption that many of us would prioritize being in the base reality and would seek out a way to remove themselves from the simulation in order to get to the base reality which they value higher than being in a fake world. I would say that that concept is flawed in so many ways. For starters, if we could travel in and out of a simulation that is indistinguishable from base reality, that means that no matter what we cannot make the judgement of which one is the actual real reality. And even if we could figure out which reality we came from, wouldn't that still put doubt on if we were in base reality because of the likelihood of a simulation within a simulation type scenario? These types of questions makes it really difficult for me to understand why Neo in the Matrix movies doesn't have a harder time accepting the new reality he steps into as the real world, or what the movie considers to be the real world. I was very glad to see that the latest Matrix Resurrections actually took this somewhat in account, even though I think they heavily downplayed it. These thoughts also take the quite large assumption that we actually can escape. That we actually are a user or a player outside of this simulation. Which we most likely can't. If you were completely immersed in a virtual reality video game without knowing you were in one, how could you turn it off by choice? Does it even turn off from the inside? Is there a checkpoint system? A time limit? Maybe there isn't even a person on the outside. Perhaps we're just part of the program, a non-player character, or NPC. There are plenty of reasons why you are not likely to be an actual player, but an NPC. First of all, not all simulations would be for a video game like entertainment, but for uh, research purposes with artificial intelligence. These would have no actual human person inside of the program, only artificially intelligent NPCs. This type of simulated universe might even happen before we make the completely indistinguishable one, uh, if we create conscious enough artificial intelligence first, which is a pretty big if. However, in that case, the simulated world would not have to be completely indistinguishable from base reality, because the AI would not have been in base reality and therefore would not have anything to compare it to. With the only reference of reality being whatever they have experienced in the simulation. A thing worth noting in this case, that also a second level matrix, or the simulation within a simulation, also could happen before we made a simulation for ourselves. Due to the nature of a simulation for AI would already be within a program and so it would be easier to replicate within a program because the world they exist in would already have a suitable format. And that is yet another reason to assume that if we can make a perfect replication of this world in a simulation, then we are most likely already in one. Now let's assume that we are in a simulation with actual players in it. Like a sort of multiplayer online video game type situation. Why should we still assume that we are the NPC character and not a player? Well such a game would still require a large number of NPC characters or even other players that are actually bots. So even if there are actually many real players from the outside world, what would you consider the ratio of NPCs or bots to players in such a game? While the ratio would be quite high in the player's favor here, This is still the best type of situation, if you value to be a player higher than an NPC or bot. But there are also more games for single players or just a few players. And also these games? Each copy would be a closed system, and therefore each copy would be its own world compared to a multiplayer online video game that would have one, or a few, shared worlds. Something worth noting here is the type of character we would play versus the type of character an NPC would be. What would they do and how would they act? Would you play a regular person in a video game if you could choose whatever you wanted? Would you, looking at your own life, place yourself as a player or an NPC? Just imagine what kind of character you would play in a game that looks just like the life we are living, versus where you would be if you were just assigned a role and characteristics. My guess is that some of you would indeed identify as players, but most as NPCs. In the situation that there are both NPC characters and humans that don't know they are in a simulation, what purpose would there be of an NPC character? Well, to me, it would seem to be to immerse the outside human in the simulated experience, and so keep the simulation going, upholding the experience and belief that the human would have for the simulation as reality. Hold that thought. It's going to be important later in this episode. Now, let's assume that we actually live in base reality. That doesn't necessarily mean that we don't live in a simulated reality either. Like, there could be technological advancements like uh, deviceless augmented reality or perhaps holograms that could potentially simulate at least part of our experience. However, I think this would be very unlikely to be the case at this moment. Because I think this type of technology would be revolutionary enough that we could hear about it far before it would be used in such a way. But without such technology present, we could still be living in a simulation of our own making. This is because all of our experience of reality is happening within our brain. Or at least according to uh, our current scientific knowledge. And our brain is far from objective when it interprets the information that it receives from the world around it. One thing that's happening is that our brain gets bombarded with so much information that we need to sort out what is useful and what is not. One of the ways it does this is that it uses models based on previous experience and information. So, for example, if you see a tree but you aren't quite looking at the tree, your brain will register TREE. But not the specific tree you're seeing, but rather a mixed image of previous trees that you have encountered to make the model of the concept of a tree. The brain does not only do this with objects, but with everything, even concepts and ideas or our view of the world and how it works. A Christian views the world quite differently from a Hindu or atheist as the model which they base their view on reality is different. We also seem to sort this information into narrative structures, the stories that we tell ourselves on how the world works. These stories are the basis of mythology. In this sense, the religious and atheist worldviews are equally mythological since they are both just the stories on which we model our reality. These stories are also a simulation. Not a simulation of our brain input, like a virtual reality type situation, but of the interpretation of that input. In this case, it's not the reality we exist in that is simulated, but our perception of it. And so, we are the ones in charge of our own simulation. We are our own prison guards, we are our own prisoners, we are our own prison that we ourselves do not realize exist. And as I see it, we do this both collectively and individually. Most people base their worldview on both levels. While the individual level is based mostly on personal in experience and the personal interpretation of said experience, while on the collective level it is based on an agreed on or generally accepted narrative with a collective enforcement of such ideas. An example of how we would enforce these things is to automatically disregard someone who has a different view of something without even reflecting on why. And in this case, you might not only be acting like an NPC, but you're also enforcing the collective narrative as a simulated reality. And so are the people around you. Now, also imagine the amount of information you're bombarded with on a daily basis. Advertisements, education, news, social and other media. These all compete for a tiny bit of your attention so that your simulation can be altered slightly in their favor. We live today in a society where the first few hits on a popular search engine is regarded as the absolute authority of truth. Now, I'm not gonna argue that there's some sinister conspiracy going on to keep you in a simulated perception of the world. Rather, I see this as a side effects of the societal structures, moral dilemmas, and uh, special interests, monetary or otherwise, that we all face. However, even if media, governments, society, big tech uh, would have the greater good in mind when forming these narratives, I don't think it's aspirable to be an NPC-like person for somebody else's narrative, or that such institution could make a narrative that would serve us all on an individual level. But Oshaneo, you say, can we escape the simulation? And to that I apply, no, you can't. However, there are a few things that we can do. We do not have to remain victims of the simulation of our own creation. We can actually take charge of our own lives, To not be an NPC, but a player, user, or even hacker of the simulated reality. And you do this by taking a step back and to simply observe. Figure out what the rules of the game are, so that you can play it. If you start with yourself, which is always the recommended first step. Who are you? What do you wish to be? What do you wish to do? If this is a game, what are the controls? How do you function? What can you do? How do you increase your stats? Can you exploit your own traits? Do you know what those traits even are? How does what you consume affect you? And I'm not only talking about food and drink. What are the shows you watch? News? Opinions? What websites do you visit? How do they contribute to the way you view the world? What happens when you listen to opinions you don't agree with? Are your responses automatic or do you reflect before you react? Are you really justified in your response? Is it useful? If you don't think all these things that you're exposed to are that effective in influencing you Do you remember the last time you went to the grocery store and got something more than you intended? Because it just looked so tasty. Then finding that when you got home and ate that thing, it wasn't as good as in your imagination. And now you were less hungry for your actual dinner. I bet even a portion of you bought that same thing in the store again the next week. And they didn't even wait to get home to eat it, but ate it in the car. Even if you were disappointed the first time. This is how effective these mechanisms are. The thing is that if you don't flip this around, you will become more and more a slave and a victim to your own simulation. To the sensations that your body craves, to the emotions that go rampant within you, To the thoughts that you take way too seriously, and the behaviours that you didn't even wish for. Some of you might even feel like there's somebody else living your life. Because you've become so distant to the reality that you have found yourself in. There is a Taoist story of a farmer whose horse ran away. The villagers told him how horrible it was that his horse ran away. Maybe. We'll see, the farmer replied. The next day, the horse came back, bringing with him three other horses. The villagers told him how wonderful it was that he now had three more horses. Maybe, we'll see, the farmer replied. The next day, his son broke his leg trying to ride the new horse. The villagers told him that it was so horrible that his son was now injured and couldn't help out on the farm. Maybe. We'll see, the farmer replied. The next day, military officials came to the town to draft the young men into the army and go to war. But upon seeing the broken leg of the son, they did not draft him. The villagers told the farmer that he was very lucky and that his son was not being sent to war. Maybe. We'll see, the farmer replied. The farmer did not choose to participate in the narrative of the villagers. That would have taken him on an emotional roller coaster from things being so horrible and then he was so lucky but chose to wait things out, and seeing the bigger picture before making his judgement. If he even made one at all. By becoming a player, you take charge of your own life. You make the effort to increase your stats and become something better than you were. You enter a reality that is better than it was and more enjoyable. And others will find you more enjoyable to be around because you won't be as miserable. Therefore, it's not only your own world that gets better when you do something about the issue. By simply trying and putting in the effort, you can go a long way. Find the tools that will help you. But to first find the tools, you need to know yourself. There are tons of different personality models you can use and tests that come with them. These models are also micro-simulations. However, if we understand that they are a certain perspective of what a person is, and then take that with a grain of salt, we can turn that model from a self-fulfilling prophecy of this is what I am, to something that we can gain value from. This is actually the way I treat all the models I use for shaping my view of reality. This is also why I'm only pointing you into a direction of what to do and where to go, instead of giving you clear instructions. Because if I told you those things, first of all, the simulation you would build would not be fit for you, but would be out of my narrative. There is not one singular instruction manual on how to live this life. But our body, mind and spirit are quite good at showing us the way, as long as we learn how to clear the noise and know how to listen. And this is something that we only can do by trying and feeling things out. This is also why it's so important to incorporate meditation into any practice that you might do. Once you figure out who you are now, you might also have a clear picture of who you want to be or what you want to do. At least what parts of your current self that you would like to improve. But if you want something to direct you with, I suggest you look at what you value. How to enhance and enforce those values in your life. Also look to what you admire. What did they do? What tools did they use to become someone that you admire? There are plenty of schools of philosophy, psychology and self-help that can help you build a better experience of reality. Expanding your knowledge on these will help you expand your worldview. However. They are also built to trap you within their simulation. But for some of these it might just be the entrapment that will set you free. For others, like myself, comparing worldviews help with extracting the value from these perspectives. But I do also recognize that others might need to focus on one singular path that helps. And whatever moves you forward is great. And why do we move forward? Well, because there is value in the movement. There is value in freedom and there is value in the better good. There might be truth out there, but we can't tell the truth from what we experience as truth. But at least we have a choice. And if we don't make that choice, somebody else will do it for us. And that would eventually turn into unconscious mechanisms and responses instead of conscious ones, where we don't have to make ourselves, or those around us, miserable. Or at least we can choose to, if we want to. There is a best version of ourselves within. Isn't that something worth bringing into existence? And I have a lot of fun playing around with my views and assumptions on the world and existence. So there's that. So take charge. Learn the rules. Play the game and master your reality. Go on that adventure. And be the change you want to see in the world. Thank you for listening. I love you all as the creatures you are and the potential that you have. See you next time on the Oceaneo Seychelles Show. Namo Amitofu.